The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. We will not forgive. We will not forget. We will hunt you down and make you pay. I'll defend our interests and our people with every measure at my command. Over 60 civilians and 13 U.S. servicemen are killed outside Kabul airport after ISIS bombed the area where thousands gathered hoping to flee Taliban rule ahead of the American troop withdrawal deadline next week. U.S. markets snap their winning streak as key Fed speakers tell CNBC tapering should begin in the next two months setting up for a closely watched speech today from Chair Jerome Powell. We want to uh, get going on taper, uh, get the taper finished by the end of the first quarter uh, next year, uh, and then we can evaluate what the situation is. We'll be able to see at that point whether inflation has uh, moderated. Well, what's the data backdrop to those uh, announcements? Uh, U.S. jobless claims, I can tell you, have risen slightly and revised GDP data misses forecasts as the Dallas Fed President Robert Kaplan flags inflation concerns and echoes calls for normalization. It would continue to be my view that when we get to the September meeting, we'd be well served to announce a plan for adjusting purchases and begin that uh, to execute that plan in October or shortly thereafter. Plus an interesting data snapshot out of China. Industrial profits grow at their slowest pace this year. Now they've been weighed down by rising raw material prices and supply chain bottlenecks amid rising Delta variant concerns. At least 60 Afghan civilians and 13 U.S. servicemen have been killed following an attack outside Kabul airport, where thousands of people have been gathered looking to gain safe passage ahead of the August 31st deadline for U.S. troop withdrawal. ISIS-K, an Islamic State affiliate and enemy of the Taliban, has claimed responsibility for the attack. President Biden vowed to continue the evacuation process and to avenge the action taken. We will not be deterred by terrorists. We will not let them stop our mission. We will continue the evacuation. I've also ordered my commanders to develop operational plans to strike ISIS-K assets, leadership, and facilities. We will respond with force and precision at our time, at the place we choose, in the moment of our choosing. Here's what you need to know. These ISIS terrorists will not win. We will rescue the Americans in there. We will get our Afghan allies out. And our mission will go on. America will not be intimidated. Over 100,000 foreign nationals and Afghans have now been evacuated from Kabul, according to the White House. However, the blast raises questions over the pace of evacuations over the next few days. NBC's Richard Engel filed this report. It was every soldier and Marine in Kabul's worst fear, an attack where they're most exposed. 
as troops were patting down an evacuee at a Kabul airport gate searching for a bomb. He or she, that's still unclear, detonated one, killing 12 U.S. service members and injuring 15. This is close-up work. The breath of the person you are searching is upon you. While we have Overwatch in place, we still have to touch the clothes of the person that's coming in. Ultimately, Americans have got to be in danger to do these searches. There's really, there's really no other way to do it. Dozens of Afghans were killed. Another bomb exploded a few hundred yards from the first as ISIS fighters sprayed gunfire. Afghans tumbled, dead and injured, into a sewage ditch. We drove through this exact spot a few days ago, a corridor flanked by concrete blast walls that leads right to an airport gate. The U.S. is relying on the Taliban to pre-screen the crowds, pushing to get into the airport, hoping for a flight out of Afghanistan, patting them down before they're checked again by U.S. troops. Today, this staggeringly new and bizarre security cooperation broke down. Clearly, if, if they were able to get up uh, to the Marines at the, at the screening, at the, at the entry point of the base, there's a failure somewhere. It was a failure by, well, uh, you know, the Taliban operate with varying degrees of competence. Some of those guys are very scrupulously good. Some of them are not. Just a few weeks ago, the U.S. was bombing the Taliban. But when U.S. troops pulled out, triggering the collapse of the Afghan army. Now, there's no one left but the Taliban to protect American forces as they leave. ISIS-K, an ISIS offshoot, claimed responsibility. Many of their fighters and other extremists, including Al-Qaeda members, were in Afghan jails. But when U.S.-backed Afghan forces melted away, the prisoners escaped and for the past few weeks have been on the loose. They have one clear target, the Kabul airport, where nearly all the Americans in Afghanistan are gathered and are still gathering until they leave. In Kabul, the Taliban have condemned today's attack. They've condemned ISIS, but they are also blaming the Americans. They say if the American presence wasn't there, it wouldn't be a magnet for extremists. And they think once the Americans leave, they will be able to reimpose order. Richard Engel, NBC News, Doha. And I just want to outline, as we said earlier, the casualty figures, I'm afraid, have increased since Richard Engel filed that report. Um, Richard mentioned 12 um, American servicemen killed. The figure is now up to 13, with the injured up to 18. So let's move on and talk about the business and the markets. The Federal Reserve, uh, as we know, is looking very hard at when to approach or at least announce an approach on tapering. The chairman, Jerome Powell, is facing increasingly loud calls to wind back what is widely recognised as the easiest monetary policy in the Fed's history. This has the US Central Bank uh, has lifted assets to over $8 trillion on its balance sheet on the back of the COVID relief plan while keeping interest rates, key policy rates, at near zero levels. Of course, we're going to hear more from Powell in his Jackson Hole speech later today at 1600 Central European time. But that hasn't stopped the various voting and non-voting members, the regional federal presidents, from weighing in on what they think should happen, which of course has given the market something to think about. The St. Louis Fed president, James Bullard, telling CNBC the central bank is allowing inflation to run too high, above its target at over 5%, and has stressed now is the time to get the taper going. 
think we want to uh, get going on taper, uh, get the taper finished by the end of the first quarter uh, next year, uh, and then we can evaluate what the situation is. We'll be able to see at that point whether inflation has uh, moderated, and, and in that case, we'll be in great shape. Uh, if it hasn't moderated, we're going to have to be more aggressive to contain inflation. Well, Billard also warned the Fed risks creating a housing market bubble if it continues its rapid bond buying program. There is some uh, worry that we're doing more damage than uh, than helping with the asset purchases because the, uh, there is an incipient housing bubble in the U.S. Uh, median house price, uh, at least the number I saw, was approaching four hundred thousand. Uh, you're pricing low-income people out of this market. And, um, you know, I'm not sure that's what we want to do. We got into a lot of trouble in the mid 2000s by, uh, uh, you know, uh, being too complacent about housing prices. It's interesting, isn't it? When you've got the St. Louis Fed, we risk creating a bubble. We're pricing potentially the low income out of the market. I think there are some in America who would argue that there is already a housing bubble, that their low income are already priced out of the market, but we can leave that for our guests. Uh, meanwhile, the Dallas Fed President Robert Kaplan told CNBC he wants to see Jay Powell roll out a tapering program by as soon as October. Now, Kaplan added that he sees no reason for the Fed to maintain the current levels of emergency relief within the U.S. economy, uh, with the economy well on the path to recovery. With this resurgence, we've spent the last week, 10 days, really redoubling our efforts to talk to contacts, do, do real-time surveys, looking at high-frequency data on mobility and engagement. And, and based on everything I'm seeing, uh, I, I don't see anything at this point that would cause me to materially change my outlook. It would continue to be my view that when we get to the September meeting, we'd be well-served to announce a plan for adjusting purchases and begin that the, uh, to execute that plan in October or shortly thereafter. Seems a slam dunk, doesn't it? You know, you've got Bullard and Kaplan there telling the market that actually looks like September, this is when we're going to start talking about a plan. But it all hinges on what Jay Powell says today. He may say something way more dovish, which is a school of thought amongst some in the markets. Uh, the markets did come back a little bit yesterday, um, but I'll show you on the next board in a moment that actually the markets have very, very calmly behaved this week. The S&P and the Nasdaq pulled back from five-day winning streaks. Quick word on the data. Some people have said they're disappointed with a 6.5% or 6.6% handle on US GDP. Still looks pretty respectable as opposed to the 67 though, that some had hoped for. Uh, initial jobless claims Coming in at 353,000 for the week was slightly higher than the previous week uh, of 349. But again, we're talking about pandemic lows here. Uh, week to date moves, I did mention that as well. And I think these are deliciously well behaved markets. I mean, the NASDAQ still surging away up 1.6% for the week. But the SP and the Dow uh, up 0.64 and 0.26 of 1% for the week. One thing I will mention though, that both the Russell 2K and the Dow Transports are, are, are significantly away from their record highs. Not every market is closing in on record levels. The Russell 2K is down 6.2% from its record. The Transports, which again, many believe have a, a power to predict um, the destiny of the economy in some way, shape or form, down 9% from their record highs. Okay, Treasuries yesterday. Well, very interesting. We are seeing a pickup in yield. Uh, we hit a 137 level on the 10-year paper, which is the highest we've seen uh, since the start of the month when we saw just a couple of decimals higher than that. Two-year paper trading at 
2.406. Dollar crosses, right. Okay, so the dollar did put on a little bit of form yesterday, 0.24 of 1% higher. Uh, sterling reacting, losing its 137 handle, 136, well, virtually 137, isn't it? Let's get to Tom Graff, who is portfolio manager and head of fixed income at Brown Advisory. Tom, really good to see you today. Thank you for joining us. I think you're in Baltimore. So it's very kind of you to uh, stay up or get up early, whatever, whichever way around it is. Look, here's my question for you. Um, and I've been looking at your copy. Uh, are you firmly in the camp now that these emergency relief measures, the huge amount of uh, purchasing by the central bank is actually now creating more harm than good. Yes, we think so at this point. Um, you know, uh, earlier Bullard mentioned uh, possibly a housing bubble, and 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 that that may be part of it. But more obvious thing is that banks are swimming in reserves, as evidenced by uh, the tremendous subscription of the Fed's repo program, and so pumping more and more reserves in there. Um, is really pushing on a string. And meanwhile, there's clearly no problem with long-term demand for Treasury bonds. As you mentioned, they've risen slightly this week, but they're, they're, they're well off their highs. So um, there really doesn't seem to be any benefit from, from QE at this point, and there's pro- probably uh, doing some harm in the, in the money market space. And is that harm going to create problems for investors? Well, look, I think... You know, the direction of rates um, and how that influences stocks and the like really depends on how strong the U.S. economy and ultimately the global economy is vis-a-vis removing some level of accommodation. I think there's been um, some concern, at least among bond traders, that just a couple of rate hikes will uh, curtail the recovery. In other words, the economy is so fragile that it can't handle any removal of accommodation. Well, I'm more optimistic than that. I think um, we're ultimately going to see um, an economy that's strong enough to see many rate hikes. Um, but that's that's really the tug and pull. And so if QE is seen as the start of a, of a more broad monetary tightening cycle, that could be that could be challenging for markets. Tom, what about the fragility of investor sentiment at the moment? You, you've talked about the underlying economy, but it was interesting looking at this uh, fund flow data from Lipper for week ending August 25th, which now shows the first week of outflows in four weeks. Is that indicative of a shift in investor behaviour? And can we tie that back to this Jackson Hole meeting or is it about valuations or something else? You know, it's probably more about valuations, I would guess, because as you mentioned a moment ago, um, boy, these markets are, are, are don't have a lot of volatility to them. So I, I don't know that there's a lot of evidence that investor mentality has shifted. What, what I do think has shifted in the last two or three months is this view that um, there's a real reflation going on. You've seen a rotation where um, kind of long, longer-term growth stocks are outperforming cyclical stocks. That's also tied in with what interest rates have done, what commodities have done, what the dollar has done vis-a-vis other currencies and the like. So I think there's this sense that um, you know maybe the maybe there's not this cyclical recovery that's as powerful as we might have guessed five or six months ago. Um, and I think that jury's still out. We're still going to have to see what happens with data over the next you know, data and earnings really over the next several months. 
You make a very interesting point in your notes about your expectation of where U.S. bond yields are going uh, with that caveat that you've got to have some staying power, perhaps, if you buy the trade. Just walk us through the trade. Well, look, we we think it's best to be defensive vis-a-vis interest rates here. Um, One reason is there's a there's a tremendous skew if the market's right and you know, only a few rate hikes will wind up um, curtailing the recovery, then interest rates kind of stay where they are. But if the inflation that we're seeing now is uh, not as transitory, if it's more persistent, if it takes more action by the Federal Reserve to ultimately get control of inflation, um, either way, that, that's going to wind up with bond yields a good bit higher. So from a risk-reward perspective, it makes sense to be defensive. And furthermore, you know, we think that uh, the the pressure from wages um, and the pressure from um, rent slash home ownership uh, is going to continue to be a more persistent inflation factor. You know, almost every company needs to pay wages. So if that if that cost is pressing on every company and if companies maintain the kind of pricing power that they've shown the last six to nine months. So a particular reason to think that inflation is going to go suddenly back to kind of pre-2017 levels. Um, now, I don't think that CPI is going to con- US CPI is going to continue to grow at 5%, but it doesn't need to grow at 5% for bond yields today to not make a lot of sense. Tom, we're going to wrap up with you uh, at this point. And thanks so much for staying up for us. Uh, Steve points out to me that it's after one in the morning there. So I hope that doesn't stop you getting down to Caves Valley to watch the golf over the weekend. You got any plans? I I, I might make it down there. We'll see. Yeah, terrific. Looks like a, a fantastic looks like a fantastic return for, for the me. PGA, doesn't it, to Baltimore. Good to see you, Tom Graff, uh, portfolio manager and head of fixed income at Brown Advisory. Is there a golf game going on? There is a golf game, yeah. Well, what is it's it's the, the BMW PGA. Championship, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I watched a bit of it yesterday, I think, while you were watching the cricket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was very good as well. So, okay. Very good. Uh, are you going to play this weekend? No. Next week? Uh, maybe. Got a week off, haven't you? Yes, I have. You're much deserved. Yes, I have, have, but I'm with the children, weeks, so this month. I won't be doing boys but stuff. They're not children, children like mine, are they? Yours do not want to play with that, do they? You know, but whatever age they are, aren't they always the children? You know, no. even even when they're sort of wheeling you around in a chair, they'll still be the, the children. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully that's to come. Um, not bath chair, but then wheeling us around. <laughs> we have much more coverage out of Jackson Hole today, as our colleagues stateside speak to the Atlanta Fed President Raphael Bostic and the Philadelphia President Patrick Harker. Uh, we'll also hear from the Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mesta and the Federal Reserve Vice Chair Richard Clarida. Uh, And we're going to cap it off with the IMF's chief economist, Gita Gopinath. Uh, We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, more central bank conversations. Uh, This time we have an exclusive interview with India's central bank governor, uh, Shakti Kanta Das. Uh, Stay with us for that. The flexible inflation targeting gives that elbow room, gives that space to NPC to respond to extreme stress situations that we are
Listen to CNBC's Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe. Join me, Arjun Karpal. And me, Tom Chitty, every week as we bring you insights into the top stories, unpack the latest trends and find out where the industry is headed. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music and Google Podcasts. India has kept its monetary policy loose despite central banks in some other emerging economies like Russia and Brazil already embarking on tightening. Tanvir had a rare opportunity to exclusively interview the Reserve Bank of India Governor Shakti Kanta Das, who told CNBC that rate hikes will follow once the recovery is on a firmer footing. So there is a gap in capacity utilization. There is a slack in the economy. Demand remains, you know, aggregate demand still remains as a lot of gap to fill up. And we are constantly monitoring the situation and we will act at the appropriate time. At the current juncture, we feel that that appropriate time has not come. I very strongly feel that not only me, but I think the MPC also feels, the MPC does feel, that we should allow the supply side factors to correct themselves. We should allow the authorities to also take necessary corrective measures in respect of the supply side factors and allow that to play out and then see how it, uh, you know, going forward, how, how the picture works out. When would time be appropriate, sir? Well, that I cannot uh, spell out at this point of time. I mean, we are watchful of uh, the, all the incoming data on the growth front, on inflation front. And uh, we will, uh, I mean, it all depends. I told you two things. Number one, we are watchful of how the supply side factors are correcting themselves. Number two, we are also watchful of how the growth and the revival process is picking up. And once we are convinced that the revival process has taken certain roots and uh, it looks uh, sustainable, durable, and uh, once, uh, you know, we have to also factor in the inflation scenario prevailing at that particular time. Sure. So it is a, it, it depends on the evolving uh, macroeconomic situation. I would not like to sort of uh, preempt uh, what the MPC should do. Right, so I'll tell you where I'm coming from. I spoke to a lot of analysts before this interview, and the overarching view seems to be that the RBS policy tolerance for inflation has gone up. Has it? Yes, uh, I think I have said it uh, also, I have said it myself and the MPC statement itself has said it. You see, we have an inflation target of 4%, but we have a range of 2 to 6%. Inflation will be treated as, you know, inflation targeting uh, will be treated as a failure if it exceeds or if it goes beyond uh, the range of 2 to 6% for three successive, three consecutive quarters. Now, the flexible, the beauty of the flexible inflation targeting framework is that in situations of extreme stress, in extraordinary situations like we are confronted for the last uh, one and a half years, in situations mm-hmm. like this, it is the, it is the you know, that uh, range of 2 to 6% which gives flexibility to the monetary policy committee to also focus on the growth requirements of the economy. If you read the law carefully, it says that the inflation RBI will be responsible for inflation targeting at 4%, keeping in mind the objectives of the growth. So the flexible inflation targeting gives that elbow room, gives that space to MPC to respond to extreme stress situations that we are 
confronted with today. And also, monetary policy, inflation targeting has to be always forward looking. We have to look forward how the inflation curve is likely to play out. It's a forward looking policy, so it has to respond to what is our expectation from the coming quarters or from the coming months. The Reserve Bank of India's benchmark repo rate has stood at record lows of 4% since May last year. Governor Das told Tanvir the Monetary Policy Committee doesn't want to shock the market with unexpected moves. We would not like to give any surprise which uh, uh, takes the market by surprise. Uh, we will, uh, in our action, as I have said earlier, and I would like to repeat, all our action will be calibrated. I mean, they will be well-timed. They will be cautious and they will be well calibrated, keeping in mind aspects like what you are mentioning. We don't want to give any sudden shock or any sudden, sudden surprise to the markets. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to CNBC.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.